Thanks for joining us again. I'm Jonathan Healy. This is a very special episode because by now all the decorations are up, the shopping is intensifying, the parties are being had and we are all feeling distinctively Christmassy. So what better time to talk to three Cork businesses whose trade is very much dependent on the tidings of the season. Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And it is a very festive Red Business this week because we are looking at all the wonderful things that are happening in Cork right now in the build-up to the big day itself. And everybody wants to go and see the big man, Santa Claus, of course, that is. We couldn't get Santa. He's very, very busy, as you might imagine. But we have one of his closest friends, Seamus Leahy, who is the Director of Marketing uh, with the Photo Collection, where, of course, um, Santa is appearing at Photo Island Resort in Beyond, which is a, a wonderful wintertime journey, we're told. Seamus, how are you? Hi, how are you? It is great to see you here. Santi couldn't make it, but he is very busy. He is very busy, but he does send his um, apologies for not making it, but he's really happy um, to be in Cork again this year. Tell me about what is going on in photo right now the the beyond experience what is it well beyond experience this is our fifth year it's almost like a poem now it's believe wish imagine discover and now beyond this year the story we were very lucky last year actually jonathan um santa thought the boys and girls in cork were very good right and he t- he told us a little secret Right, and the secret was that there was a snow kingdom. There has always been a snow kingdom underneath Fort Island. Oh, right. Right, it's about a thousand meters under underground, and he sent us some of his friendly gnomes to um, help us dig and find our way to it. So you've dug down underfoot? Well, we haven't. We wouldn't have the skill or expertise. But a lot of gnomes... Not you personally. No, no, no. Um, We have gnomes, Sprinkle McGreenfingers and his crew, um, there's Gadget and Gizmo and a few others, have all come along and helped us. And they've dug a, a big mine shaft, for want of a better term, to take us underground into a magical snow kingdom. Okay, so that's that's and and kids are going through that right now and having a great time getting down to see Santa at the very end, presumably. Exactly. I, I, well, no, Santa actually is up on. He doesn't like it down there so much. It's a little bit cold for him. So you meet Santa, and then after you've met Santa, you pop into this mine shaft uh, and head underground. I'm with you. And you meet the Snow King and Queen and Prince and Princess and all those other snow elves and wonderful characters. I have to say, it is a wonderful experience every year that we go there for the grown-ups as well as the kids. I mean, when does it all start? When do the elves start planning all of this, James? Well, would you believe we've started planning next year's about three months ago? So we are, it works about in a 15 month cycle um, when you start planning and working on the event. Um, the very heavy lifting starts from about June. Um, of the year but uh, some of the early work um, you know you have to make sure your present orders are in place and that you've the manufacturing is going well and all that sort of stuff so you have to make sure all those bits and pieces are put together and, and that can happen as much as 15 months away it's a, it's, a, it's a significant lead in time then to try and get it right it's a very different experience now when you and I were little boy Seamus which was going back a few years we didn't we didn't have as much fun getting to see Santi as we do nowadays 
what what changed over the years? Well, I think what um, it's always great to see Santa, no matter where or when you meet him. I mean, he's just a wonderful character and he's just so warm and giving. And whether you meet him walking down the street or in a shopping centre or coming to some place like Photo, it's always very, very enjoyable. But what we've done and what we did with Santa and Dale, they wanted to create, the elves wanted to create a sort of an immersive experience. So I like to call it a pantomime over 10 acres. So Is it so, 10 acres? More or less. I mean, uh, don't don't measure it exactly, but uh, it's more or less that size. And basically, it's an immersive experience. And I think as you wander around, um, the boys and girls and mums and dads will meet um, about 30 to 35 characters as they go. Some of them crazy, some of them soft and nice. And of course, Santa and Mrs. Claus and, and maybe a reindeer or two as well. It's funny how the system works because uh, obviously mums and dads make sure that everything is in place at the right time and all that. Yeah. The internet makes this much easier for you, I would imagine. The internet has its pros and cons with this sort of thing, but obviously the booking system is is through the internet and, and, and mums and dads help us out with, uh, you know, help us with the naughty and nice list. I think um, what's, what's amazed me working with Santa and the elves over the last five years is how technology friendly they've become. You know, Santa's naughty and nice list is, is now on an iPad and all that sort of stuff. So it's very, very modernised and, and it's very um, sophisticated from that perspective. So yes, it makes it a lot easier. It's difficult though because you're also trying to run this wonderful hotel in the background down there as well. Uh, you've got people who are coming away for the romantic nights away and you've got all the kids running around. It's, it creates a very unique experience for the month of December on the site, I would imagine. It's it's amazing how, how the place becomes transformed. But I suppose the biggest significant thing is obviously having 190 um, new elves and gnomes on site. So that in itself creates an amazing... Where, where, where do you store them all at night? That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, uh, some of them um, fly back to the North Pole, Lapland. Some are based in Cork as well. So they're... they're that would explain the Cork accents. Yes, exactly. Um, even though I understand that um, Santa works with um, some voice coaches as well to help with the accent and to make sure the boys and girls understand it. But it's always very, very helpful indeed. But it must bring more business to the hotel then too like it's, it's part of a I suppose a symbiotic process whereby you have beyond and then you have people coming in they might stay for dinner they might stay for a few drinks and they become aware of what the hotel is about if they hadn't been to visit it because let's face it most Cork people don't stay in Cork hotels and that's absolutely true I suppose um, when the our new owners they're hardly new now it was five years ago the Chinese owners came to uh came to photo one of the things they asked us was had you any ideas to help um, drive the business forward and I suppose one of the things we put in front of them was the Irish Open but another one was to um, follow through with a Santa experience um, and we proposed that and on the 7th of October um, I remember they came to me and said oh yeah go make that happen I said great that'll be 15 months you know to make it happen and I said no make it happen for this Christmas <laughs> right so that was quite a challenge the first year last year uh, we had and I it looks like this year will be the exact same um, over half the people who stay on Fort Island Resort in the month of December are there for the Christmas experience so it, it grows it significantly um, and you're right it, it introduces the product to local people but what's interesting is people come from all over the country so there isn't a 
you know, yes, it, it a lot of Cork people come out, but uh, I would say that we get them from as far away as Belfast. I remember last year I got a phone call from a very worried daddy who was um, stuck in London on his way home from Saudi Arabia to make sure that the Christmas event would stay open so that he could go through it with his family on the 23rd of December. Oh, he was late back. He was late back, but we got him through. San- <laughs> San- him. Santa delayed his departure back to the North Pole, he did. <laughs> yes, but he got there, he got there. Um, and, and is that part of the enjoyment of it as well for, for the staff? Because you get to see this wonderful experience, all those smiling little faces coming through the door, having met Santa Claus, having imparted the list, finding out are they on the naughty list or the, the nice list, finding out whether mum and dad are on the naughty list or the nice list. I mean, it must give you... Do you ever get bored of it? Do you ever get sick of that <laughs> if be, you're seeing it every day? To be honest with you, no. It's, 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 it is really warming. You know, it's lovely to see people sort of um, enjoy their families. It's a very warm happy experience most of the people who come through have a really positive vibe they dress up in their Christmas jumpers they sing and you dance you made me the sing night. last year which yeah, I'm still, still quite bitter over that oh, well it? it could happen again this year <laughs> um, what I would say to you I'll tell you a story uh, uh, the first year I was really it was late one evening and I was not noticing the elves clocking off and heading home and I was wondering where are all these elves going and the next thing I saw this um, four nuns coming down the hill with about 20 elves in tow linked arm in arm singing as they came they were the last group in and they decided in their wisdom to to collect elves along along the route until they met Santa so they went in and, and met Santa with about 20 or 25 elves in tow <laughs> it was most amazing and it's that type of experience people just get involved get in the middle of it and enjoy it well it started on the 25th of November it runs right up until the 23rd of December when all the elves pack everything up and make sure that Santa is firmly in the North Pole and ready for action on Christmas night Seamus it's a remarkable success story and it's a credit to everybody uh, down at Photo Island Resort I really appreciate you dressing up with the Santa hat here today it matches the Red FM studio the very best luck to you and uh, do pass Santa our regards I will indeed thank you Jonathan Red Business Podcast with CompuBee Business. Improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuBee.com. So that's Santi looked after. So the next thing we have to do is go for a bit of a skate. And it's the kind of thing that you couldn't do in Cork for generations. Yet we now take it for granted that every Christmas there's going to be an ice rink. And the reason why there is an ice rink is thanks to the man who's sitting in front of me right now, Bill Kremen. How are you? Hi, Jonathan. I'm busy. It is a busy time of the year for you, I'll grant you that. Tell me about the first year you did this. How long have you been going with Cork and Ice? Okay, so this is actually the 11th edition of Cork and Ice. And uh, we started in 2007 um, in Little Island. And um, it was, we conceived the event in September. And uh, I thought this would be a good idea. had no idea uh, at all how to go about actually organising it. Had no contacts in it. And... Somehow, um, with a substantial loan from the mother-in-law, we actually set. That, that's not a euphemism for the bank. No, it actually no, is your no, mother-in-law. No, it was okay. actually because I, completely unbankable. I mean, if you went to the bank in two thousand and seven um, with the, the environment that was there at the time, and you said, "Look, uh, Mister Banker, would you give me a loan for set up an ice skating rink?" And and where are your projections? Well, sure, I, I have them here in the fact back of the fact packet, and <laughs> I would have been laughed out of the branch. And um, so the mother-in-law though didn't have. Um, the, the same view, thankfully, and uh, she's still going strong. And I thank her every year at Christmas time for giving us the start that she did. And um, we opened up in in November. I can't tell you really how many people came through the door. 
it looked very busy at times. And then when we sat down in January and we counted the expenses and uh, we did the real, I suppose, thing that a lot of people do in business when they're starting off is we confused turnover with profit. So when we actually counted everything, all the bills, we found out that, you know what, it wasn't profitable at all. We made a bit of a loss. But we had cash flow and we developed a good audience and one that have thankfully continued to support us really well ever since. And it is a unique offering because it is... Is it weather dependent? It's not really. I mean, you could have a very warm, a very warm winter and still do cork on ice, couldn't you? Well, you could, and um, I suppose the important thing for us is that we have to insulate ourselves from um, the weather to some degree by, and, and we do that by having the event in, in the big white tent that everybody is familiar with up in Manhattan Point. The key is that I suppose what the, the couple of tough years that we've had were when people couldn't travel to us. So if you remember. We opened an event once on Friday the 13th, which um, I've, I'll never do again. The, the, we opened and the city flooded, if you remember, I think in 2010. Oh, then it froze. And then it froze and everything that could go wrong went wrong. I, I, you, I you, had, you actually had a unique scenario whereby you had a rival event out in the Lee Fields because the water froze on the field. Absolutely. Um, so I had people coming to me and, and saying, look, uh, Bill, would you and had no customers on the ice rink and they said look any chance we could rent some skates for you because we've got a frozen pond in our back garden and, and, and at that stage I just said you know what take the skates just promise you bring them back to me and, and make a donation to charity and we kind of threw our hat at it that year and it was very difficult emerging from that um, but you know we we had had some, some financial challenges that year after that big freeze um, but thankfully um suppliers stayed with us we worked through it and, and the following year we were working for those suppliers um, but that was we've left that far behind and we've taken some steps in the business since to insulate ourselves from events like that so T- tell me about the logistics of this because what you have is you have the big white tent yeah. And then you have to freeze the water and then you have to maintain the ice because yeah. you can't just yeah. leave it keep decaying it, it, it is specialist stuff. I mean, your background isn't in ice skating, so how did you come up with the, the means and the mechanisms of keeping this going? Yeah, well, I suppose business principles are business principles. And I mean, whether you're running an ice skating rink or whether you're running a tech company or you're running a theatre, it's all about customer service. It's about customer experience. The fact that this is customer experience to do with an ice rink and there's a technical aspect to it, and I'm not technical at all, but you know, we've learned an awful lot over the years. I'm very lucky that we've got a good team of people since 2010 who uh, or since 2007 who've worked with us and who thankfully are available every year. And we've developed a core of expertise around ice rinks now and running ice rinks, but you can never lose sight of really what's important in this business, and it's the customer experience is what defines and what has given us the longevity, I suppose, as an event, because so many events start off and and you know they're well supported but they kind of maybe just sometimes lose sight of things so you you know the natural life of some events might be quite shorter than we are now we're very lucky because christmas comes around every year never been cancelled in a recession so you know we just live with that and we take the risks largely the weather risks but in general i suppose that um the the, the technical side of it we've become very uh, skilled over the years uh, and it's all about presenting really superb ice quality and we've invested in equipment well uh, the machines uh, what are they called again there's a special name well they're ice resurfacing machines it's the old hoover vacuum cleaner thing so everybody calls an ice resurfacing machine a zamboni Uh, but in fact there are a number of different brands we've we've got zambonis we've also got other brands but they all do the same and what that does is that it it cleans the ice does it so what it does is as people are skating around in the ice it 
the little shavings are given off by the ice skates and the machine comes on it will collect all those shavings it layers um, shaves about a quarter of a mil off the top of the ice and lays down hot water and that uh, is done in 20 minute uh, over a 20 minute break between the between the sessions so that every group that is coming on for their session is presented so with do you members. have to put all those zamboni machines in storage for yeah. large parts of the year yeah absolutely they're all here. they're not cheap no they're not cheap um we're looking at uh, a six-figure investment in, in in equipment i i own more tractors i think than farmer john down the road and uh but it, it you know it, it's part of what we do i suppose look it's important that the event um is is, is has got good it's, it's a good base product the ice has got to be great before we had the resurfacing we had six people scraping the, the, the ice off and the ice was, and, and people's you know the ice was a not as good as it should be uh, certainly not as good as you can make it but it's pristine now when it goes on that's what people will notice what what I love about the story is that yeah there you go with the mother-in-law's loan in 2007 2010 big freeze you had a rival pitch now Cork on Ice has become Blanchestown on Ice it's become Castlebar on Ice it's become Waterford on Ice this is a true Irish success story it's just that because it's seasonal maybe people don't associate all of those rinks with you with your company yeah well I mean, look, we're, I suppose we've uh, been lucky that uh, the business has performed very well over the last few years and, and the people in Mahon Point are no different to, to some extent to the people in Blanchardstown. And we have expanded... Better quality of people in Cork now, well, of course. Now, Well, look... Uh, you can't uh, say that, but I can. Yeah, yeah you can say that. But <laughs> So we, we a number of years ago, we, we, we set up iceskating.ie and that allows us then, I suppose, to have one... Uh, online site where people can go and get their tickets for all of the events that we've on this year so you as you rightly say this year we've got four events on and i suppose we would hope to serve in excess of quarter of a million customers over the next three months and going back to that 07 bill taking a punt mm-hmm. did you ever envisage that you get to this point was it always the plan um no the plan was to survive until the next year and I suppose um, we never really did any strategic planning because when you're thinking about survival, you don't have time for strategy. But now at this stage, we're, I suppose, tr- strategically trying to run the business in such a way that it's, it's, it's sustainable. We have a full-time team of staff here in, in, in Little Island. We also have invested in the Nightmare Realm in the last few years, and that's gone from strength to strength. So we have another substantial group of customers um, on that. That's October. But I suppose one of the challenges of our business is that all our activities are shoehorned into the end of the year, but we have a resource. Uh, and an expertise that is available on 12, 12 months of the year. So we're actively looking for opportunities and events uh, that we can um, maybe look at, investing or developing in the early part of the year. At what time do you relax? When does Bill Kremen say, I can now enjoy Christmas? Um, well, we get a couple of hours on Christmas Day, which is nice. <laughs> um, the mother-in-law uh, doesn't cook the turkey, um, but so she might come to us this year. She's as I say, she occupies a very special place in my heart, and uh, so whatever she wants, we'll, we'll 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 give her. But you know, we've summers are downtime. We ran an event a few years ago called Summer Bay, which was uh, Ireland's first indoor beach adventure, and uh, it was absolutely fantastic up in Mahon Point in a big tent similar to the ice rink tent. And of course, we had the best summer in 25 years, and uh, we had uh, temperatures at the beach of, of of 28 degrees and temperatures in, t- in inside the tent of about 48 degrees, <laughs> and we we, we lost or shirts and that so not not every event works so I suppose having a successful business gives you the financial capacity to conceive of events and put the bond but look the lesson is not everything works Bill Kremen we wish you continued success what's the website if people want to book www.iceskating.ie Bill Kremen thank you for joining us in Red Business thank you Jonathan
Red Business Podcast with CompuB, Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com. And it is a very festive Red Business this week because we are talking about the business of Christmas. Where better to start this conversation than in Cork Opera House, which is the focal point for so many people's Christmases. Eileen Gleeson is the boss here at Cork Opera House, the CEO. Eileen, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Jonathan. The panto is on. The panto is in full swing. It, it is. Is it your favourite time of the year to be here? Absolutely. I have always been a huge fan of panto. Um, I love everything that it stands for and everything that it's about. And it's a joy and a privilege, actually, to produce the show that we produce here once a year. This year's offering is a classic. It is. Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. One that we haven't done for a long time, actually. Um, and what a show it is. You know, it's just this fabulous shiny, glittery, funny, festive experience that I I know our audience are going to really enjoy. It's all a bit mad. I mean, from a punter's perspective, because we come every year with the kids. And uh, as the kids get older, they start to get different parts of the show. But it never disappoints. Is there a real pressure on you and all the team here to go, crumbs, we better not have a dud? (laughs) Absolutely. We take the quality of the show really, really seriously, Jonathan. And I think... That's um, that is a, something that we have done across all of our shows that we make here at the Opera House. We've invested significantly in the panto, in particular over the last three years, to build it into a show that can stand alone nationally, internationally. And for me, it's all about the quality. Now we're lucky to have an absolutely superb panto team who really, really believe in the art form that is pantomime. Um, so. Yes, it's very important that the quality of the show is at an all-time high, but it's not difficult for the team that we have to make a great panto because they're aficionados, they're specialists in the area. They appreciate what it is a panto can do and what a panto is supposed to do. And as a result of that, you know, it's very unlikely they'll give us a dud. Yeah, <laughs> you know? well, yeah they haven't this year. From from the reports no, I've heard, they so. certainly haven't. Yeah. I mean, you would have gone to panto as a child no more yeah. than I did. And, and they were of an era. You know, it would have been... The, there yeah. would have been less opportunity to have flashy effects, but there was always something. There was always a magic about the panto. And you've been very lucky insofar as you... Brian, of course, who for many years mm-hmm. was director, uh, who passed away, but Trevor has taken off the mantle now as well. Yeah. It's a generational thing. You know, it's not Billa anymore. Now it's Frank. Yeah. I mean, you have the weight of history on your shoulders, yeah. don't you? Absolutely. I suppose as, you know, somebody who is in a position where they're the custodian of this incredible legacy in the Opera House... I take that very seriously. It is a generational thing. We've had, you know, an opera house in this city for 163 years. And out of all of those years, Cork Opera House has had to deliver to an audience that really, really has, they're a discerning audience. They have high expectations, you know, and they deserve a show that has, they deserve a show that is of a standard of previous generations. So, yes, absolutely, we have a responsibility and we have... Um, a huge wealth of experience to build from, you know. We have, Brian Flynn was a huge, huge part of our infrastructure here for for many, many years, and he was a huge loss to us when he passed. But Brian's legacy is alive and kicking in this building every single day. Um, between the work that he did on pantomime and developing this huge, you know, all singing, all dancing show, the work that he did on the likes of Sound of Music in Greece, the work that he did in terms of developing local talent, developing local musical theatre talent, all that legacy is still alive and kicking. Trevor was somebody who worked very closely with Brian and 
when Brian passed, it became a very natural um, solution for us to work with Trevor. Trevor has performed in many pantos. I think this is his 27th panto okay. that he's involved in in the Opera House in one way or the other. Um, so from that point of view, his legacy is alive. Brian's legacy is alive through Trevor. Now, Trevor has completely brought something different and new to us as well. Um, and Trevor has... Trevor delivers contemporary shows. You know, they're they're building on the past, but they're also very cutting edge in terms of what they're delivering. Yeah, there's always know. references to pop music that the kids get. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting so old now that some of the stuff I don't even get myself. The kids are looking at me stupid. Um, the, the thing about the panto is, is it was always the time of the year where the opera house would have got right. At least we know we're going to have bums on seats. But mm. it's a, it, you know, and it is a successful, mm. from a commercial business mm. point of view, it's a very successful mm. venture. Absolutely. This is probably the most important part of our year. Pantomime delivers time and time again for us in a way that other shows don't. It's probably, um, in terms of the risk that we take with Panto, it it is important that I suppose we deliver in terms of quality. However, the box office returns are everything. They mean so much to us because it means that we can continue for the other 11 months of the year um, with shows that you know are sustained through what Panto has delivered for us at this particular I mean, time. Uh, just year. looking at the theatre, we're, we're just sitting outside yeah. the theatre. How many seats, how many bums will be on seats when this is full for the Panto? We're looking over the course of the run, we're looking at around 60,000 people who come to Panto, which is huge. 60,000 people yeah. for one show. For one show, yeah, 60,000 people. And actually, the numbers, we've seen the numbers increase over the last number of years, um, significantly, actually. And I think there's a certain amount of that, of course, is the turnaround in the economy again, and people are now in a position where they can come back to the Panto. But also, we're growing and developing new audiences all the time. I think, you know, the legacy of the Opera House that I have inherited has been this incredible audience in Cork who really, really care about what the Opera House presents. You know, we see new families coming, we see returning families coming, we see the numbers growing year on year, which actually is phenomenal. But it's you a know? tradition, and what's happening is that tradition has yeah. been handed down from generations before us, and now we're handing it on to the next generation, Absolutely. arguably. Now, yeah. the last generation didn't have to worry about the glow sticks that uh, people have to buy down below now. We can't pass those guys. They were great. They're your idea because they were very clever. <laughs> I can't take full credit for them, but the ancillary sales around Panto were very important also, you know, I mean, like... You are a bag of crisps at a bottle, <laughs> at, at a bottle of Tenora, but now you have to have a glow stick as well. Well, the glow sticks, you know what, they add atmosphere to the audience as well. They, you know, like, it's really good for the cast to look down onto the audience and see all the glow sticks and, and, and know, because it's very hard to see the audience. It mm. gives the audience a presence that they wouldn't alter, they wouldn't have otherwise, you know, um, to the cast. But... Yes, I have to come back to the fact that the sales that we make around Panto are key to the successful delivery of the rest of our year long. Program. And what I what I really like about what the Opera House has done is now that you you almost have a summer Panto. That for the last yeah. couple of years you've had a show yeah. during the summer at the Sound of Music mm. you mentioned, or Annie was this year's mm. one. But you're doing what would have been an alien concept in this building a couple of years ago mm. when these closed. Oh, there was one year where they actually nearly closed down for the summer yeah. because of the recession. You have a summer Panto, and that presumably has helped helped secure not just the jobs of the people who are working here, but the actual building itself. Absolutely. So we we started this initiative, I think it was about five years ago, we started with The Sound of Music. And yes, we built up to doing any last summer. Now, these are really, really, this is a really significant change in our business model. We now have two pillars of our program, um, one in the summer and one in the winter. And that, that essentially sustain 
Cork Opera House for the rest of the year. But I have to say, without the f- this the financial aid that we receive from Cork City Council, Cork County Council, and and the Arts Council, it would be actually impossible for us to take that kind of risk. You know, we have um, like our city and our county have invested in us, which is really really key and allows us to take a risk during the summer. Um, in making these big shows and these are big expensive shows and um, but the result of the shows are that we provide a huge amount of entertainment for people during the summer months which wouldn't traditionally be a very busy time in theatre but we we pitch our shows at family audiences um, again we have a very engaged audience in Cork who are absolutely delighted to come on board with the risk that we're taking but and th- we believe in it. In theory, this generation that we have out there now of, yeah. of teenagers who are on their phones, who mm. you know get everything for free, let's face mm. it, nobody pays for anything anymore, you're still getting them to come to the theatre. Now, how many of them, maybe some of them mightn't be coming that willingly, they're being brought by their parents, but they are willing to come to a live show. So in, in this modern era of communications where everything is online and free, is there still going to be a space for live theatre? I... You know what? It's a question that I've I've had to ask myself in my position because we have to be very cognizant of the times that we live in. However, I see it as a I see it being a success time and time again. I think the key to it is delivering a really good show. I mean, it's really really important that when people come to see an opening night performance, they go out and they're going to tell their neighbours and their friends what they thought of the show, and that will be that will essentially become part of our marketing machine. Yes. I think there is room for it, but it has to be relevant and good quality. Like, if we weren't delivering in terms of quality, we wouldn't be having the success we have with that. Finally, Eileen Gleeson, I have to ask you, uh, everyone in Cork has an Opera House experience. Now, I've been on the stage, I'm lucky enough to be here, I I was on the stage when I was... 10 and I've been on the stage obviously a little bit when I'm a little bit older at events not during Panto have you ever been on the stage of this theatre and what did you do? (laughs) I actually have Um, I'm from Kerry so I didn't have the same We're not going to hold it against (laughs) you Wear it as a badge of pride (laughs) I do indeed wear it as a badge of pride but I don't have the same um, I suppose history as a lot of Cork people and coming to the Cork Opera House on a frequent basis as a child but I studied music here in UCC Um, I'm a singer myself and I've had I had the most wonderful experience of um, appearing as part of a choir um, that supported the um, West Cork Ukulele Orchestra a number of years ago. Um, so you know what it's like to I stare know what it's like. into I the dark. I absolutely do and I've performed on many stages all over this country and there is nowhere quite like the Cork Opera House. The Panto is Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. It runs until? It runs until the 21st of January. Okay. Um, tickets are selling really fast so I'd encourage all the listeners to Get, get online, get online or come quick, into the box office here. As quick as you can. The very best luck at you and continued success to everyone here in the Opera House. Eileen Gleeson, thank you for talking thank to us about this. Thank you very much. My thanks to the Opera House, Cork on Ice and to beyond. We're probably going to visit one, if not all, three of them across the course of the Christmas. Thanks as well to Niamh Hennessy who produced and we'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com.